Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Welcome back to the Michiana People Podcast. I'm Scott, and I'm glad you're listening. Today, I am talking to Miles Robertson, and Miles has been on the podcast before with Nailani Stoles, and we talked about the Bird Cell Project. Today, we are talking about the Purple Porch Co-op, South Bend, art, and so many other things. We just had a great conversation. If you don't know Miles, he's got his finger on the pulse of South Bend and is tooling around downtown South Bend just all the time. He knows everybody and is a big help on getting South Bend to be a better place. I am sitting in a newly redecorated podcast studio, thanks to my wife, and a little bit thanks to me. I helped paint, and I picked out some of the paint, and it looks much better. We will be getting new carpet soon, too, so people who come down here don't have to see the old nasty carpet that we've had for the last 20 years. Really looking nice, and I've got some uh, great guests coming up, so I'm excited about that. Talk about sponsors. Mapletronics is a sponsor, and I work there. How long could your business operate if you could no longer use your software or connect to the internet? How much of your business data can you afford to lose? What level of productivity do your computer users need to maintain to stay profitable? If you'd like to talk to me about your computer network and know where you stand, you can call me at 574-537-5838 or email me at scurtis at mapletronics.com. There's no charge for my consultation or network evaluation. Give it a shot. If you're a business owner and or in business development, you might have noticed how much harder it is becoming to get people's attention. As technology improves, the ability for consumers to choose when, where, and how they are exposed to a business's advertising or messaging improves too. Vala Marketing takes an interactive approach to getting and keeping attention attention using things like great social media, mobile-friendly websites and applications, search engine optimization, and original content creation. Vala can create your entire digital marketing efforts on a monthly basis. If you're having trouble keeping up, would like to grow, or just need to figure out how to get people in the door or on your website, Vala Marketing would like to speak to you. Give them a call at 574-606-6696 to set up a free consultation or a free audit of your digital marketing efforts. And I just heard that the Vala Marketing team has a new office in Elkhart that they'll be moving into right across from the Chamber of Commerce, I believe. So they're growing. I believe they have um, a total of uh, six teammates now. It started out with just Grant. They're doing great work. If you would like to get in front of social media and get some organic um, leads, they're the people to call. So give them a call at 574-606-6696. So here's the next episode with Miles Robertson. It was a great conversation and probably better than this intro. So give it a listen. Thanks for coming to see me, Miles. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Miles, uh, you and Nailani, we talked probably. I think we, I think we were talking before this, maybe nine or ten episodes in. Yeah, to, it's like a year ago to, to the podcast. So it's been a while, and we talked obviously about the bird cell project at that time. Right. And uh, before we get into anything else, I got to see the installation for 2016, and you know, my wife and I were obviously blown away, and we came. At one of those times where it was just us, oh. uh, it was one of the times where you said, I'm going to be here between two and four and stop on in. And yeah. uh, we came then. And it, it, it's neat to see it with a bunch of people because you get to see their reactions. But it's also neat to be in there in the quiet by yourself and and seeing all the all the stuff and just taking it in and letting your own emotions take over. And Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> a much different experience coming for like a reception. When yeah. It's- a couple hundred people mm-hmm. that it's more of just like the shared experience I right feel like right um but yeah a lot of the work i think is 
you know, it's necessary to kind of take some time and just be with it. Right. And not be bombarded with people that want right. to talk to you or yeah. just other bodies in the room. Right. And, right. Um, you know, some, some pieces though are, are better with a lot of people. In yeah. Them, like Jack's work, the, right. the health club. Yep. It's like, <laughs> you know, you get a band playing in there yep. and a couple people sitting around a table drawing or uh -huh. something. And yeah. that really adds to that experience. But most of the work, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's good to take a second yeah, to yeah. just take it in on its own. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I am with art. It's, it's very personal for me and I just like to be there and just zone in and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. and that, that that was like that from the first time I was ever moved by art. You know, it was a Surratt painting and at the Chicago Art Museum, and I was with a class. I was like a junior in high school, and I just stood there and stared at it for like a half hour, mm. trying to figure out how he did all that because it was huge. It was, yeah, and and um, I I my own personal preference music. I like a lot of people. Um, art i just art as art i just like to kind of be there by myself <laughs> but uh every, everybody takes it in a different way yeah <laughs> um and so obviously you've got you've got bird cell 2017 probably rolling already don't you well actually so we're not going to end up doing the residency the way we had the past two years okay um this year we've just had some issues with using the commerce center and it, it happened at a time where it wasn't we weren't well situated situated okay. to find another space for the summer. Okay. Um, but we've got some other things in the works that we've kind of been wanting to work on. Mm -hmm. And this is a good opportunity since we're not going to be tied up with all the residency stuff to work mm -hmm. on that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's in some ways it's too bad. We're not doing the residency this year. It'll probably come back eventually. Um, but mm. it, it's cool that we're going to have a little time to do some other. Projects. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. And the reason I reached out was because, uh, you know, I have heard of the Purple Porch Co-op and I follow their Facebook page. As I told you when you walked in, I still haven't gone. Mm -hmm. But you did a really cool video and I'm, and it was one of those things where I really need to talk to Miles again so we can talk about the Purple Porch Co-op. <laughs> Because uh, is there were so many things in in the video. I'm thinking, gosh, I wish that was right around the corner for me because I'd go every day. Um, but um, tell me about first of all what you do at the Purple Porch, and let's hear about what it's all about. Okay, yeah. So what I do at the Purple Porch, um, I mean, we all do a lot of different things. It's a small mm -hmm. business. We've got about 25 employees. Mm -hmm. um, I, I manage the front of the house. Okay. Um, so hiring, HR stuff, um, training, scheduling, mm -hmm. things like that. And then I do some data analysis. So that's something that, you know, we, we've been open three years now. And so we've got enough information to work with. I yeah. Feel like um, year one, it was like, all right, let's get some things organized. Yeah. Year two, it's like, okay, what is really important for me to pay attention to? Mm -hmm. I can't track everything. Right. I can, but I can't necessarily um, understand right. or take it all in. And then year three, I feel like where we are now is, okay, I can really take some time to assess this and do what we do better. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy doing that, and I, I've been spending more time doing that. Um, I also do, I guess maybe my primary function is I'm the local foods purchaser. Okay. So we're focused on local and regional food. Right. Um. Over the course of a year, I work with a hundred plus local and regional food producers. So that's everyone like who's growing vegetables to raising animals for meat or for dairy. Um, and then that's also like value added goods. So like baked goods, um, you know, snacks, chips, mm. things like that. So basically anything that someone is producing within a 300 mile radius mm -hmm. of our store, um, that's what we consider regional right where 60 miles is local i i mm. spend a lot of time working with all of those farmers i do some farm visits um so yeah those are kind of my my main functions i i used to do some social media um we recently hired jacob titus to do that okay who, you saw the video you saw yeah that was kind of his idea yeah. and he he filmed it and uh really excited to have him on board he's really good at he understands social media really well yeah um and he's obviously just, and he's good at, <laughs> at, at being consistent with a with a strong message right um, right so yeah he, that's he's another guy i need to talk to yeah again. definitely yeah. you should bring him in but it's been great 
having him on and mm-hmm. um, getting to pass pass some of that work onto him and right. see him do really well at it. Right. So what's the Purple Porch Co-op all about? You know, yeah. somebody who has no idea what it is, yeah. how would you give them your elevator speech about okay. what, what it's all about? Um. Yeah, so Purple Porch Co-op, it is a co-op. That means it's owned by a lot of different people, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's owned by the community. We've got almost 900 member owners. Okay. Anyone can be a member owner. Um, but we happen to be a food co-op. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could have a co-op, an energy co-op. You could have a housing co-op. Mm-hmm. We happen to be a food co-op. So we have a grocery store in downtown South Bend. Um, 123 North Hill Street is okay. the address. Um, so we focus on local food. We've got, uh, the grocery side and then a cafe. Mm-hmm. And then we continue to do a farmer's market every Wednesday. That's kind of what our origins were. Okay. Um, it was founded in 2009 by just a handful of people that thought it was really kind of sad that we live in an area that's so agriculturally significant. Yeah. And yet couldn't get access to most of that food. Right. Now, so much of our farmland is used for commodity crops. Right. So it's not really for human consumption. Right. Um, at least not without being processed. And so um, they tried to come up with ways that they could get access to the food that was grown here. Um, and so they founded the co-op in 2009. It was a farmer's market one day a week. Uh, three years ago, we decided, well, three years ago is when we opened our doors. About five years ago is when we decided we wanted to transition to being a, more of a full service grocery store mm-hmm. in downtown. Right. Um, so yeah, we've been there three years. It's uh, I've been there since we opened. Um, it's a, it's a great place to work. It's uh, it's fun, and mm-hmm. I I like doing different things. And so mm-hmm. it's nice that I, you know, one week I'm juggling these things, another week I'm juggling these things right. a little bit. Yeah. Um, tell me about some of the uh, the local um, farmers and stuff that you deal with. Or are some of them? In business to, um, I mean, have you become like a staple for them, uh, kind of their anchor now? Or do they go to you and some of the farm-to-table restaurants in the area at the same time? Or how does that work? Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, I would say some of our producers, I I guess I would categorize them kind of three ways. Mm -hmm. One would be like small-scale hobbyist. Okay. Which would be someone that maybe is new to either farming or new to baking something mm-hmm. commercially. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to test the waters and see right. if they can make a go at this. Uh-huh. Um, and then we have kind of what I'll say, like small scale professional. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones that, all right, they've probably did it part time for a few years and have finally been able to transition to, this is their main source mm-hmm. of income is, is farming or right. is producing fermented foods or whatever it may be. And then there's kind of those more, regional producers that are, you know, mid to larger scale Mm -hmm. companies. Um, and so, you know, I would say for a lot of the, there are, I don't really know how many, but there are a significant amount of those kind of small scale professional, uh, food producers Mm -hmm. that we work with that. Yeah. We are a very significant part of their, of their sales every year. Um, a couple examples, Zen cafe coffee, Mm -hmm. everyone, I think in in town most people are familiar right. with them. Yeah, um, they're roasting out of Lang Lab now. Interestingly enough, it's in a location that we used to be in. Okay. So b- before being downtown, we were yeah. in the annex of Lang Lab, right? And that's where Zen Cafe and Violet Sky are now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I think we're their largest wholesale purchaser um, annually. Great. Um, Farming for Life. Uh, Joe Gady is a farmer down in Rochester. He. He grows, he's really, he's actually known around the state for the carrots he grows. Okay. And, but he's also does fermented foods and drinks. So mm-hmm. kombucha, kvass, um, he also like fermented cabbage, like sauerkraut uh-huh. basically. Um, he's in about 20 stores, I think in, in the, in the area, mm-hmm. like down to Indy over to Chicago. Right. But I, yeah. We're one of his bigger purchases too. He was, um, I kind of ref- like the early producers we worked with. I kind of call them like the Sinister Six or something. Uh-huh. Like the original six that we worked with. He's one of those. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's really cool to get to work with, and you know, people and, and s- farmers and and food producers and see them make that transition to like they're making a living mm-hmm. doing this, doing exactly what they want to do, right? And they no longer you know have to work for someone else, right? 
But this is so cool because I just talked to, um, I don't know if you know Kelly from Eve of Eden. Um, she sets up at the farmer's market. I don't think but she it. does a lot of um, um, uh, homemade soaps and lotions right. and things like that. Um, but she gets the waste product from Zen Cafe, the hulls from oh. some of their... Uh, I think cocoa or something like that. And she puts that into her soaps. So, and it's funny how the six degrees of separation is so hilarious because it's neat because uh, Zen or um, Lang Lab is kind of an incubator for mm -hmm. new business. Uh, and uh, obviously Zen's there and you started there and now you're taking some of these hobbyists bakers and producers and and things like that and you're kind of an incubator for them because they get to start putting their stuff out and mm -hmm. make make a little off of it now and then they they may actually branch out and and do their own thing sometimes so that's really neat yeah yeah i think it is it's it's something that i think i enjoy maybe you know the most of, of some of the stuff i do at purple porch is, yeah it's just seeing someone get to realize like a dream they have of, yeah uh, you know employing themselves and doing exactly what they love to yeah, do. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing I've learned about doing this podcast is I have to be nice to everybody because everybody knows everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Even if they don't know them, you're going to be in the same room with them at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so that, it's, it's just so neat how, and I, I talked to Kelly about this. We, we did the interview yesterday and, and you don't see this as much in Mishwaukee. You don't see it really anywhere. I haven't seen it anywhere, but, but South Bend, how people, when you start a venture or start a business of any type, the rest of the community just pitches in and they, they, they seem to come together and, and want to be a part of what you do. And, and they want, they, they want you to succeed. And it's, it's neat for me because I see businesses that are similar types, just supporting each other because they know somebody's going to come to their place on Wednesday and go to the other place on Thursday mm -hmm. or something like that. So when everybody is doing well, then everybody succeeds. Yeah. I, I think right now there's, I mean, especially downtown, which is, you know, where I spend most of my time because I work yeah. at Pearl Porch and I, I live right. uh, like just a couple of blocks from downtown. Mm. Yeah. I definitely see a huge change now over like five years ago when I graduated from college mm -hmm. and, and how eager people are to help things continue to move mm -hmm. and, you know, in the right direction. And, uh, yeah, as far as like other, you know, other business popping up is like, you know, we have a cafe, uh, but like the general cafe, mm -hmm. um, a general deli and cafe opened right. up what nine months ago or something. Yeah. You know, we see that as that's good for the neighborhood. There's oh, more yeah. people walking around. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's good for me, too, because I don't want to I don't want to eat a purple porch every day. I work. Yeah. There. I really like the food, <laughs> but let's be honest. I mean, it's yeah. like. <laughs> you got to try something different once in a while. Right, so right. it's really convenient for me now is that, you know, I can just walk a block down the street and hop into the general and, mm. you know, they've got some cool music playing usually. Right. And um, they're also serving Zen Cafe, get a cup of coffee, get mm. a sandwich and, you know, have a meeting there or something. Right. So, yeah, it's it's cool to see a lot more going on, particularly in the East Bank, which is where Purple Porch is. Mm. You know, I think for a long time it was pretty... I mean, the other side of the river too, but, um, pretty stagnant. And I think there's, you know, there's a handful of new businesses that have gone in the past couple of years and mm. it's really adding to the vibrancy of, right. of that neighborhood. Yeah. It's really cool. And I, I, I think I may have mentioned it when we talked last year, but my wife and I have been in Mishawaka for a long time and we just never really went to South Bend that much. We, uh, went to Goshen a lot and, hung around Mishawaka, Elkhart sometimes, but we never thought to go to South Bend. And we came to one deal at first Fridays and we started at South Bend Brew Works and went to a few different places. And now we spend most of our week in South Bend because Tuesday was at the drop 
and Wednesday was Vegetable Buddies for Latin Dancing, hmm. and tonight I think is Vegetable Buddies to see Jeff Harrell's band, and we're going to be back at Chicory Friday, and then Vegetable Buddies after that. <laughs> so we're always <laughs> we're always headed to South Bend now. So it's it, it's neat. You, it, I, I feel like um, I, I feel like that uh, South Bend just has cooler stuff than Mishawaka right now. I mean all the all the great bands. I mean we still got Martha's Midway here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Yeah, there's so, been some great musicians yeah, that have Yeah, there. so we still got good stuff. Um I wanted to ask you about um uh, because um you mentioned it in your video and then um I was talking to Jake Neese about uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, kombucha. Yeah. Um what is it? So kombucha <laughs> is a fermented tea-based drink okay um and yeah so it's um it's it's kind of an interesting process in which it's made i think its origins are somewhere around the himalayans okay um but there's there's you know there's a lot of different stories but somewhere east mm-hmm. um so it's a probiotic drink and okay. so it's you know good for your gut health mm-hmm. um i think it tastes good too I guess, you know, there's a whole spectrum of how, of the flavor profile of it. I guess, you know, mm. just like beer or anything. Right. Um, so there's some that are more on the sweet side, some that are more on the kind of sour vinegary side mm-hmm. of things. Um, and we've got some that's, you know, like really carbonated and some of it that's pretty flat. Mm-hmm. Um, people, you know, people often flavor it with like ginger, turmeric. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we carry, we carry a few different brands of kombucha. We actually have kombucha on tap. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, it's from a company called Presto Kombucha. Okay. They're out of Carmel, Indiana. Oh, okay. um, th- so they deliver us kegs of kombucha every couple weeks. And um, we've had it for about nine months now, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been really popular, especially in the warmer months. Mm-hmm. Um, we got it last July and, you know, it, we were just going through so much of it. And yeah. So you can like fill up a growler with, yeah, we've got, you? we sell howlers, which howlers? Like, okay. <laughs> we, you know, some people call it a bullet. We felt like for what we do at Pearl Porch, the word howler kind of fit better than yeah. bullet. Uh-huh. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you can bring in your own growler. You can bring in your own howler. You can bring in your own, any, any vessel you yeah. want and fill it, but we've got containers there too. And, um, we're going to kind of, we do a rotating, we're on our first artist now, but, um, actually Nalani did, uh, she painted a mural on the back of our building okay. a while back, and there's this goat on there that's kind of everyone loves. It's uh-huh. kind of cool. And so she designed a version of that that's on the howler, so it's screen oh, printed cool. on there. Yeah. And um, so in a couple weeks, probably we're gonna roll out with another variant of that. Uh-huh. So a new artist will come in and do a different design for for the howler. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So they can be like collectible. That's yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you can use them elsewhere too, yeah. which is cool. So I got to get in and get one of the one of the goat ones cuz I'm a goat freak anyway, Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh I I had never even heard the word oh, until really? you did your video, and the funny thing was, it was the very same week I saw the video that Jake mentioned it, and I said, oh. "Okay, I got to figure this out," and and so I, I'm going to have to come get me some of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I treat it like it's it's um it's just a really refreshing mm. drink. It's yeah. kind of you know it's for me. There are a lot of you know some people drink it for health reasons, but I think if it, if it doesn't taste good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know people are right. into it. It it does in fact taste good. So yeah. that's you know that's that's kind of how I sell yeah. it, I suppose. But right. come in and get a sample of it. Yeah, um, we've got little sample cups. And cool. See what you like. We've got five flavors on tap. Mm-hmm. We've got actually got cold brew coffee from that company too. Okay, on tap mm-hmm. it's nitro. Uh huh. So it's like a Guinness, like the head of a Guinness. Oh wow. Yeah. I might I I might uh, I might actually try. I, I'm not a coffee guy, so but. I'm just not a hot drink guy. Oh, okay. So maybe cold, cold coffee would uh, yeah. go a little bit better for me. Yeah, I have to give that a shot. And you mentioned another uh, another um, beverage along with kombucha, savas or oh kavas, kavas. Yeah. What? what yeah, kavas is another fermented drink. I think its origins are Russia. Okay. Um, it's so this is a it's a garlic beet kavas. So whereas mm-hmm. kombucha is kind of on the sweet sour mm-hmm. tangy side yeah kvass is more on the like it's almost salty okay um 
it's uh and it's beets so it's i mean it's a pretty earthy taste i would mm-hmm. say um but yeah so it's it's not the same process of kombucha but it's still a fermented mm-hmm. drink and he uh joe gady makes a a kefir water also okay. so again using a different process but mm-hmm. still basically fermentation right well i'll have to try that because i i'm one of those guys that loves beets so oh, okay yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah if you i feel like if you if you love beets it's easy to try if you're yeah. not a big beet fan you know yeah. as, you know a lot of people aren't big beet fans right it's uh it's a little it's very unique flavor, yeah i guess if you're not used to eating something like that yeah i'll have to give that a shot so as far as the stuff that you're um you're offering at the purple porch cup you know what what are your like top five sellers right mm. now um you know most of our top selling items are are produced from local producers which mm. is cool um sin muffins so sin okay. haas she bakes at the croc center um she's been baking there for maybe a year now but mm. she'd been baking in her in a, another certified kitchen for a, a, a few years mm. we sell a ton of her muffins um that's probably the number one like individual item mm. um let's see other things um i mean there's your staples eggs mm. milk um butter things mm. like that right um all of our eggs are from local producers so they're all they're all really fresh and they're produced within 60 miles most of them are actually produced like within 20 miles okay. of the store mm. Um, yeah, so Hebron Farms, we get eggs from them, okay. and Ridge Lane, they're out in New Paris, mm-hmm. uh, Third Day Organic, they're out in Walkerton, we get, like, weekly or daily egg deliveries from some of them, mm-hmm. um, and then we, our salad bar and our, our cafe is really popular, okay. so pretty significant portion of our sales comes from people coming in for a breakfast burrito and coffee, mm-hmm. or lunch, um, kale salad's one of our most popular um, mm. items and you brought me some kale yeah salad. i brought you Thank some you. today so you'll have to try that later for dinner <laughs> yeah. let me know what you think it's uh yeah it's really popular people come in and just will get a huge to-go container of that uh-huh. or, um we do catering too and so um we actually have a couple of weddings we're doing oh, this cool. year which is kind of cool uh-huh. we, had, we hadn't done that before but we've had i think two or three people sign up to mm-hmm. for us to cater their weddings and we recently did the peace conference at Notre Dame. Okay. It's our second year doing that. And that's a, it's a really big one. And, uh, we have a very small kitchen, so it's, it's really interesting to see <laughs> us do that dance. That uh-huh. week. Luckily I don't have that much to do with that. Um, yeah. That's a little outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah. Oh, you, you probably saw how small our kitchen is. And my wife and I, we, uh, we've gotten into a habit of, Every Sunday we make healthy breakfast for the week, so we're we're like separating uh, egg whites and all this kind of stuff and putting together like a healthy breakfast quesadilla. And she makes these muffins and and all this kind of stuff. And it really is a dance because you gotta you, you gotta get stuff in the oven at the right time and you keep going around each other to get everything put together. And it's it, it's fun. It's uh, it's really cool. I, I, I didn't really want to do it at first because <laughs> I thought, you know, this is a couple hours out of my Sunday, but now it's more of a, more of a um, bonding experience. So yeah, it's, and, it's it's pretty enjoyable cooking with people. I don't yeah. really like cooking alone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if there's someone else to cook with or cook for, yeah, I think it's fun and yeah. it's uh, it saves some money that way too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. we we've we've really enjoyed it, and we we cover the whole week, and uh, and it's all you know all healthy stuff. I just got to get to the Purple Porch Co-op and start buying some of the healthy stuff there. <laughs> yeah, definitely come check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've kind of got you know you've been you're, you're a downtown South Bend guy, and you've kind of got your finger on the pulse of what's going on um how do you how do you perceive the first of all the new the new development going on by um the baseball field what's it called was oh, it the, the berlin flats one, yeah or? or like the studebaker yeah all, all that all, all that new stuff that's going up um do you feel like that um that is going to have a positive impact on on South Bend or, you know, what do you feel about it? Um, you know, I, I think that 
Um, you know, I think that overall it's probably a good thing. I think that my main concern with any sort of what we call development is, is that, um, are we including the marginalized people in our community mm-hmm. in that conversation? Right. So, you know, will it, will it be good economically for South Bend? Probably, mm-hmm. but who is it going to be good for economically? Right. So, um, while I think it will be good for the city, I'm always really interested in how we can, you know, quote unquote, do development and, and, but do it in a way that, you know, ensures homeless, po- homeless populations are taken care of, mm-hmm. ensures that, um, you know, people that are already living near there aren't, um, pushed out or, right. or whatever it may be. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing to especially take some of these old buildings that have been vacant for, you know, 40, yeah. 40 plus years in yeah. the case of the Studebaker, I think mm. it hasn't been used for much. Right. Uh, and breathe some new life into it. Um, I'm just, I'm just really eager to see us try to do development in a way that isn't the same way we did it 40 years ago, 60 years ago that got us into the position where we right. have skeletons of buildings sitting for decades. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, it's something I'm excited to see. And at the same point, um, you know, I guess concerned of who about who is going to be left out of that, that new, that new pie, the pie is going to be bigger yeah. in a sense, but yeah. how are we going to distribute it? Yeah. It, I guess my personal thought is it felt a little like gentrification to me. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, it, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm just, I, I was thinking the same thing as you, where, where are we going to push the people that right. are currently there and, and who, who's going to lose out yeah. in this. Yeah, Not, I, people I, are going to win, obviously, right. at least in the short term, but who, who's going to lose in the short term. And that's, that's what I was, when I saw the press, you know, it, it they always paint a positive picture of it. And mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking, yeah, because my, my grandparents were on Dubail until um probably probably the well, it was the very early 90s um 89 or 90 uh, and um you know i you know i watch i watch the changes in that neighborhood from the 70s through the 90s and uh uh it's it it's tough to see a really nice working class neighborhood just disintegrate. And, and I hope that, uh, that doesn't cause people to move out to different places and then different neighborhoods disintegrate because, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, they need to, they need to, like you said, need to keep the, the, the marginalized people, in mind when mm-hmm. they're doing that because they're still there. Yeah. And, and I actually live, um, in Monroe park, which mm-hmm. is the neighborhood that is yeah. adjacent to where all that development's going yeah. on. Yeah, And, you know, our neighborhood has a pretty high, uh, proportion of the, there's like a, a lot of rental properties, yeah. a lot of multi-unit properties. And a lot of those, um, are, you know, are owned by people that don't live in the neighborhood, don't live in South Bend, don't mm-hmm. live in the state, don't even live in the country, which in of itself isn't a bad thing. However, generally speaking, um, properties that are rented and owned by someone that don't live in the state tend to be neglected a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not always the case, but I mean, statistics will show that those those are the problem properties in terms of not being maintained properly. And something I'm concerned about living in that neighborhood is that, so you know, there's a lot of these properties that aren't maintained very well, but people are living in them. Mm-hmm. But property values are going to go up in the next few years, mm-hmm. given all the, this development. Right. It's great if you own a home in the neighborhood. Right. However, if you're renting a home in that neighborhood and the jobs that are moving into the adjacent area, they're not jobs that you're working necessarily. Right. The property value is going up. Um, your rent's probably going to go up, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your wages have gone up. Right. And so those people are going to possibly be pushed out. And right. so something that um, I'm kind of excited about is Habitat for Humanity. Their office is actually in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be one of their focused neighborhoods for the next three to five years. Okay. Um, do we, 
Last weekend they did some asset mapping, so kind of a, assessing what buildings are currently in the neighborhood. Are they commercial? Are they residential? Mm-hmm. Um, are there areas that are currently used as parks, as community gardens? Just getting a broad sense of what the neighborhood is. Mm-hmm. And this weekend we're doing a community, like a neighborhood cleanup. I think a lot of neighborhoods are doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm personally, and, and Habitat's doing some of this too, I'm really interested in increasing kind of owner occupancy in my neighborhood mm-hmm. and increasing, um, I guess the amount of like, if, if you already currently live in the neighborhood and you own a property and you live there, consider buying another property in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're going to be able to maintain it well. It's in your neighborhood. You're probably going right. to keep it up. Yeah. And I think then then you have the power to say, okay, yeah, property taxes went up. But that doesn't mean I need to – property taxes went up 5% or right. something. That doesn't mean I need to raise my rent mm-hmm. $200 uh, a, right. a month for someone. <laughs> it means you can have a little bit more control over, I think, lessening some of the detrimental effects of – that possible gentrification that, mm-hmm. you know, that most likely is going to happen. I think that, um, you know, I do see a lot of cool things going on in the city, but mm-hmm. I also see a lot of the same modes of thought that got us into mm-hmm. predicaments being used over and over again. And right. we gotta, we gotta reimagine how we, we do things in right. my opinion. Right. Um, and I think we, the biggest thing is we have to decide. I think that quality is more important than quantity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I think so. everyone's so eager to have more and more and more and bigger. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm interested in that anymore. Right. I'm, I'm interested in kind of, you know, I think we need to shrink our worlds a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, you know, I think, I think there's still room for more things to be going on in South Bend for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, at what point do we say we're going to help? the people that need help as Mm -hmm. opposed to keep padding our own wallets. Right. So, so yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot to tell you the truth. I'm actually in the process of renovating an old house in my neighborhood that was on the demolition list. Okay. Um, so like five years ago it had a fire in the kitchen Mm. and it was vacant for a while and the city had it on the demolition list and a neighbor bought it Mm -hmm. and did the necessary exterior repairs to get it in a state where the city wasn't going to demolish it. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a, it's a cool old house. It's built in 1907. It's really massive. It's like 2,800 square feet. Oh, wow. Um, and then, um, I'm buying it from her and, uh, we're going to basically gut it because it had a fire and it had water damage mm-hmm. and renovate it. And, um, hopefully by the end of this year, some people will be living in it. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, I think, I think it takes people like, so it was Sheila McCarthy that bought that house when it was on the demolition list. I think it takes people like that to mm. say, you know, this is worth saving. Right. And um, it's less about return on investment monetarily, but more mm. about what is the social, the social capital that right. can be developed from that. Right. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be working on this because I mean, I think it's really inspiring to see someone like her say, you know, this is a cool old house in a historic district. It doesn't need to be demolished. It needs the right amount of attention. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's give it that. Right, right. It's funny you mentioned um, shrinking your world a little bit. I I think the same way. Shrink your world, but um, expand your uh, friend circle. Yeah. Uh, your, your, your social world. Yeah, you the, need, the digital you, age makes it so easy now yeah. to... You know, find people that have similar interests that yeah. maybe don't live near you. Right. And um, to kind of find those communities, yeah. but then still have your own, like, local, tight-knit community yeah. of, of, of people yeah. that you you have something in common with. I'm actually taking that a step further, though. I'm trying to communicate with people who don't have uh, any similar interest, and they're mm. totally opposite of what I am. Uh, <laughs> because it, I... From doing the podcast, I talk to a lot of people who we probably have nothing in common on on the face of it. Mm. And but once you get into the conversation, you uh, find out that well, gosh, I love my family and I uh, love my community and I do this and I do this, and you finally you find those little hooks that uh, are in common, and you find out. 
you know, this guy that's seems totally different from you is really pretty close. Mm -hmm. And, and I've, I guess my, uh, without getting on a pulpit too much, I think the, the, between politicians and the media and everybody else, they really want us on, on sides. They want us, they, they want us on two sides, you know, and whether it be liberal conservative or, uh, whatever religious affiliation you're with, they want you to, they, they want you to be on different sides. And if you're, if, if you come into a conversation with any amount of empathy and you actually listen to the person who's talking, you, you find out eh, we're yeah. not really that different. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> me- meaningful discussion doesn't really like sell ad spaces. Right. You got to create some sort of schism. You got to like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's sad. It's, it's, uh, I think, I think I agree with you. Um, and I think the point you made about like, connecting with people that are totally different than you, at least on the surface. Yeah. That's really important. I mean, I think I've learned, I probably learned, definitely learned more about myself by talking yeah. to people that yeah. I disagree with. Right. But can have a, have a civil conversation with right. that I have from talking to people that right. think the same way as I do. Right. Um, and so if I, you really listen, sometimes your worldview changes a little bit and, and some of your, yeah. some of your positions change just a little bit too. I found mine, you know, I, 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 I lay awake at night sometimes thinking about, you know, you know, I feel this way and, uh, everything's going okay for me, but, you know, I just talked to this guy and things aren't going so great for him and he feels this way. And you, you just, mm-hmm. it's just, um, it's, it, it's, Sometimes it's emotionally draining to to do stuff like that, but man, it really opens your world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just just to understanding, yeah. you don't have to agree with everything, but understanding. Yeah, if you know if you know where things come from, then you can at least say, okay, yeah, I I see where you're coming from. Yeah, well, like last last week, I think it was, I was talking to a guy that I know he really dislikes the smart streets uh-huh. in in South Bend, uh-huh. the new two way street pro- right. project, and. I actually really like it because mm-hmm. I ride my bike or walk like almost exclusively. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, and where I live, it's made, you know, I live in a weird spot in terms of navigating the river and like the, the bridges that cross it. Mm-hmm. And so now that two way streets has made my commute really easy. Right. <laughs> um, and there's more bike lanes and mm-hmm. traffic has slowed down. So for me, it's really, really good. He, he's a property manager and he's running you know, to Lowe's and he's running from the North side to the South side trying to get through town to get from location to location. And for him, it doesn't really work very well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we had a, we had a a short, but I, I thought a a good conversation about how I, I more, I better appreciated where he was coming from Mm -hmm. because I kind of, you know, for me, it's like the smart streets have been like 100% great for me personally. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear people say, oh, you know, the smart streets, they, they're horrible, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, <laughs> it's easy to just say that person doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. But, you know, after talking to them a little bit, it's like easy to also realize that we just totally use the infrastructure of the city differently. Yeah. Um, I have no goal in getting all the way through the city. Right. My goal is only to get basically the one mile from my house to yeah. downtown uh-huh. or whatever it may be. And, right. Um, but, you know, we both... We both saw the value in the smart streets from different perspectives, right. even though I like it. He doesn't mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, he understands that like, oh yeah, it's, it's probably a good thing for someone on a bicycle. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's, I am, I still have mixed emotions about him because uh, whenever we come to South Bend, obviously we come off the bypass and uh, hit the Chippewa roundabout and we're, you know, we, we go between doing the old South Main and the North Main and it's just, it, it just takes longer. Yeah. Um, it, it probably, honestly, it probably adds five minutes to, to get, get, get to downtown. Or less and, probably. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But. And it's, it's no big deal, but, um, you know, when you see the bigger vision, when you see some of these boarded up stores and, and, uh, and stuff like that, when you see occupancy, you know, and then you'll see traffic going by it and, and getting two faces on some of the signs that are facing the wrong way. Well, 
yeah. <laughs> help help build the uh, awareness. And uh, you know, I can just see that whole corridor just becoming, you know. A, a vibrant part of downtown mm. instead of that instead of that one core central area. Yeah, yeah. Downtown was kind of this little island yeah. between St. Joseph right. and Maine. Like, right. That's yep. where Michigan is, and it's yep. just one. It's like three blocks long. Yep. And one block wide. Right. And, yeah. And that, you were kind of isolated there because you had one way traffic buzzing by you pretty rapidly both ways. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be good for. Um, I think it's be good for downtown. I think it is an example of one of those solutions that is good at enabling people to shrink their world. Right. Um, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's only, it's only a minor yeah. inconvenience for me right now. And, and I am noticing more things. So it's doing what it's supposed yeah, to it's do. It's kind of cool architecturally too, to see buildings you've never seen from one yeah. direction. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, coming from the North side. Um, down like towards the Century Center. Mm-hmm. It's actually it's a cool view there, right? Yeah, and, yeah. It you know, is. I yeah. even though I ride my bike or walk, I still never really saw it mm-hmm. that way. I never yeah. went down that way, right? So. Yeah. So, um, do you have any? Uh, are there any projects that you're getting into this year that uh, you can actually talk about? Or so like bird cell project wise? Yeah. Um. Well, let's see. One project we probably won't end up doing this year, although we might start on a little bit, is mm-hmm. um, we've we've wanted to do kind of a, a muralist residency. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, house a handful of muralists for a month mm-hmm. and have like five or more murals go up mm-hmm. in one month across the city. Um, so it's been something I've th- I've been thinking about for cool. like a year and a half now, mm-hmm. and I don't really like to think about things that long without. <laughs> either either saying I'm not going to do it or, or doing it. Yeah. So that that might uh, that might happen. Maybe maybe this year, but but probably you know next year or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I mean, like I said, this house that I'm working on is kind of um, not necessarily like directly linked to the bird cell project, but the birds we we house artists mm-hmm. for anywhere from. I mean, musicians, you know, like a, a night or a weekend to visual artists, like two months. Mm. Um, and so having this house will give me a lot more flexibility in bringing people in to do things. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think, I think it will situate us a little bit better to do some things we want to do in the future. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're, I I can I do house concerts at my place again, not necessarily directly like the Bird Cell Project, mm-hmm. but um, you invited me to one and I didn't get yeah, back you, in town in time. Yeah, so. you should you gotta come sometime. <laughs> um, I think you'll have a good time. Yeah, but the Bird Cell Project for me has never necessarily been it. Do, it's not one thing for me necessarily. It's mm-hmm. like a spot right. for certain ideas to flourish Mm -hmm. in a way. Um, So I've never really made a strong divide between like, what is, Oh, Miles Robertson is doing this versus Oh, the bird cell project is doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so the house concerts I very much see as an extension of kind of like the same philosophy as like what the bird cell project is doing is, is that, that that does that for me. Um, I've got to get to one of those one of these days because Nat Fitzgerald, it he does invite, too, yeah. invites me to him all the time and it just i just never make yeah. it have I, you have you heard of uh uh the band shiny shiny black yeah would be a good idea i, I should hook you guys up because um I think, I, is it nate butler yeah is nate, but, nate and amber yeah. yeah um i think they would uh be great for a house concert mm. and i think they are looking to do that this year okay so, uh, i'll hook you guys up through messenger because cool. um i just I just love Nate and Amber and their music is just fantastic. But it, you know the story behind the songs, it's just it's just it's great. Yeah, and the house concert He like bleeds out on the page. Yeah. <laughs> I think the house concert format gives you the opportunity for like the musician to share some of that backstory right. that you don't get in a bar. Right. And something I noticed really early on from doing the Bird Cell project is when we'd like host musicians in particular um, 
you know, they'd say, wow, like you, you really do this professionally. And mm-hmm. it's like, what do you mean? It's like, there's so many gigs that they like don't, the, the venue either doesn't pay you or doesn't pay you very well. Uh-huh. Or, like, it pays you less than what they said they were going to pay you, which is just absurd to me. Right. And, um, so the house concert, like really for me, it's, it's a great way that I can ensure that musicians producing music that I really enjoy mm. can get paid a fair wage for what they're doing. Right. Right. Um, and so that's, that's part of the reason I, I really like doing it mm. is that I want to see, it's kind of similar with Purple Porch. I really like this idea of helping people that are doing something as a hobby mm. decide they can do it as a living. Right. I want to see more musicians that, that are producing music. I like do this full time. So, right. You know, whether or not they're going to be touring the country and playing huge venues, that's neither here nor there for mm. me. But um, can they play music um, as their main source of income? And right. I think that the market for that is growing. People are realizing that that's something that they value and mm. that they are going to put their money where their mouth is right. a little bit. Right. Um, and musicians really like, I've, I've talked to a lot of musicians the past year doing these house concerts and there, there's a big shift towards doing more of this because they can actually get someone to sit down and listen to their music yeah. and, and not, you know, I mean, there's not bar fights at my house. Right. Yeah. It's not usually. And, right. Um, yeah. So that I do, I do those about once a month. Mm. Um, and actually this, this house I'm renovating, I'm, uh, we're changing the floor plan a little bit because now's the time to do it because we're taking it to the yeah. studs. <laughs> so we're taking out some, you know, non-load-bearing walls right. to open up spaces that can really make for a good a good right. listening room. Right. I guess. That's I think, cool. Yeah. You know, Plymouth has uh, Wild Rose Moon, which mm-hmm. is a great listening room. Yeah. Uh, Goshen has Ignition Garage, which not quite a listening room, but gives that same experience, I think, in yeah. a lot of ways. I practically live at Ignition. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> And uh, South Bend doesn't really have that, so right. that's. I don't really feel like I have the capacity to actually open one. Right. But I think that fostering kind of do continue doing house concerts is a way that I can kind of it's right. a stopgap for me. Yeah. In in a, in a way, but yeah, that's cool. It it's funny you mentioned Ignition because what you're saying is so true. Because when we've seen so many bands at Ignition, and they'll talk to you afterwards. I mean, they, they usually do a fairly early show. So they, they're used to starting at 10 and ending oh, yeah. at two and they'll start yeah. at eight and they'll be done at 10 and you get to talk to them and they're always surprised. The, uh, first of all, people are paying attention. I know. Uh, chairs aren't being thrown yeah. and all that. But I always, I always tell them if I know the band, I always tell them you need to stock up on merch because you're going to sell out. And we, we went to see a band that I like a lot um, in Chicago on a Saturday night and they were playing ignition on sunday and the guy that opened with his name's israel nash and he is just fantastic and um you don't sell much merch when you play a bar you just yeah. you just don't yeah. and i said make sure you bring a lot with you when you come to uh goshen he said i don't know how much i have when when we went there he was down to one cd yeah (laughs) by the time we got up to the table i said i told you you're gonna sell out so yeah that's it's where people actually connect with the artist and when somebody actually connects with them they want to be part of their career um so every time they put an ep out every time they put a Mm -hmm. new cd out it gets purchased and it, 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 when you make that type, type of a connection, and that's the way music used to be. So I totally, I totally dig the idea of house shows. Yeah. 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 And I think that, again, like just tying it back to this idea of like shrinking our world a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And we were seeing this with everything. I mean, at Purple Porch, I see it with a relocalization of food. Uh huh. Um, and then, um, br- you know, breweries, right? Right. Like we've got, tons of new breweries popping up in communities around the country. And I mean, South Bend's got a lot of great ones. Yeah. Thank you breweries. And, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a relocalization of, of beer yeah. and music, I think is the same way. It's that that support the people in our community that are doing this. Right. And it's, it's just enjoyable to experience those things in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it's, it's more with all of them. It's food, beer, music. It's all more intimate. 
Um, it, you know, it, it seems a little bit more meaningful to me. I, I, I feel like I'm a bit nihilistic in a lot of ways. So yeah. like, whether or not <laughs> there's actually any meaning to it. Right. Uh, I, I think there probably isn't. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in the moment, I think, you know, I definitely yeah. feel a lot more joy, I think, from yeah. having an experience like that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I compare, you know, we went to see Tom Petty at, um, in Carmel, uh, several years ago and we took the kids and it's just huge. I mean, there's thousands of people there and, you know, I'm seeing most of those show on a monitor because we were up oh, in, yeah. the, in, in, on the hill. And, uh, and then I see, I go see a show at ignition and I'm like six feet away from the, the band and then they talk to you afterwards. Yeah. So it's totally different. And I, uh- I've noticed, um, like, we have a pretty wide age range of mm-hmm. people that will come to, like, my house concerts yeah. and all enjoy it, which I think right. is, I mean, some of that is maybe genre choice. Right. You know, we tend to be more, we've done mostly folk singer-songwriter mm-hmm. type stuff because it fits a living room well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've also had, Dave Dale did a show, uh-huh. pretty bluesy. Right. Um and then uh, we had After Hours do a couple shows with other musicians, uh-huh. uh, so pretty jazzy. And right. we actually had an improvisational free music oh, cool. group. Mm-hmm. That that was amazing. That was actually probably my favorite performance we've had. I really am getting into improv music. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of ADD, and it forces me. Like <laughs> I just I just become very focused right. because I know it's it's there in that moment, and it's right. not. It's going away after that. Yeah, it's, and I'm it's never going to hear this yeah. that way again. <laughs> um, and so, um, but yeah, I mean, we have probably the youngest person we've had is probably like four years old, mm-hmm. and the oldest person is like ninety years old. Yeah, that's even older than me. <laughs> <laughs> At least ten years older than yeah. me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so you know, it's 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 an. I think it's cool to have kind of that wide range of, of life experiences that coalesce right. over, over shared interest in something. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool for a, a person my age, a- anybody that's over 50, it's really fun for us to connect with younger people who aren't our kids. Yeah. It's, it, it's uh, when it, it just, it, it takes a little bit of the years off of you. And and makes you makes you feel like you're relevant still. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm only 28. Uh huh. Um, and I'm working on this house with two 19 year old guys. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's cool working with them. Uh huh. They're so smart. Yeah. They're so they got so much energy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, they they're hardworking. Right. Uh. Yeah. I. I sound like a really old person. Yeah. This, I feel like, yeah, but twenty-eight. It is cool. I think that, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, working on this house, I wouldn't be able to do it without them, and and they're eager to do it, and they're really interested in doing it right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's, I think it's cool to see. I feel yeah. like, um, yeah, I, I see what you mean about like it makes you. I think it takes some years off you, just in terms of like optimism, probably. Right. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know, I'm not that, maybe I'm, I don't know if I'm as, pes- sometimes I'm more pessimistic than other times, but mm. uh, I think that, you know, they approach it with an optimism that I think makes it easy to do. Right. Right. Easy, easy yep. to keep going. Because it yep. is a daunting task. Right. Taking a house that size and right. renovating it. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I keep going back to before I did the podcast and now doing the podcast, my optimism is so much more because I talk to people who are just doing great things. And how can you not, I, I remember I told you guys, I felt like a vampire. Uh, I'm I'm sucking the youth out of you, but it's the same with the optimism, you know, people who, who feel like they want to, they want to move their community forward. They want to move their lives forward. They want to, they, they want to do good. Um, when you surround yourself with people like that, there is no way you can't catch some of that. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that is so cool. Yeah. And that's the other thing that takes some of the age off of you, if not on the outside, on the inside. <laughs> well, and I think that, you know, I was at my drive over here, 
uh, I was thinking like, I think it's really cool if you've done in the last year. You've, I was, you know, I've listened to a handful of your podcasts mm-hmm. and I, um, today I scrolled through your website and looked at some of them and I was like, I mean, you've interviewed 50 plus people in the yeah. last year. Yeah. Doing anything from, I mean, a lot of it's art and music, mm-hmm. but you know, comedians too. Yeah. And, um, the one you did with uh, was it Alan Stewart? Is that yeah, his name? yeah, the yeah. Hall the of Heroes guy from the Comic Con. Yeah, I mean what that guy did with the uh, Elkhart Comic Con. Yeah, that's just amazing in my yeah. opinion. Like Elkhart's not that big of a community. I know, and I think the Learner is the largest downtown venue. Right, and they sold out. Yeah, they right? they pretty much tripled their expectation yeah. on that. Um, and- so I, on my drive here, I was just thinking like what you've done in the last year and kind of how you described it to me, how you got into this. I mean, I think that's really inspiring too. So it goes yeah. both ways. Yeah. Like yeah. Young and old. That's what, <laughs> um, so, well, thank you for that. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I always hope that people, you know, they take something away from it. And when the, I told you that there's these, uh, um, two students doing a documentary on me and they, they asked me, and I think I mentioned this when I talked to you and Nailani, um, they asked me if, uh, I thought what I did is art. And I said, yes, in the fact that conversation is art. Uh, when you, when you have a conversation with somebody and they take something away from it and you take something away from it, it, it's similar to looking at a painting and having it move you. You know, it's, it, it, it has, it, 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 it's not really tangible. I mean, you hear, you hear the conversation, you take something away from it. Um, there's, there's, there's nothing being exchanged for it. There's, uh, but it, it's really does have an art to it. And, um, it sound, you know, it may sound a little pompous, but I, I feel like anytime you sit down with somebody and you have a meaningful conversation, yeah, that's art. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. We talked about this last yeah, time. And I, I fully agree with you. I, I think that, um, well, I think whether or not it's art for me is neither here nor there. It's, but there is certainly like what you're describing. Right. Like, yeah. I'm going to leave here and I'm going to be thinking about this for a few days. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and then like subconsciously it will impact me in other ways. Right. And, right. Yeah, I, I enjoy talking about whatever it may be that you right. know, we've touched on today. And then it kind of influences how I move forward with other things yeah. I do. So. Yeah. And it was, uh, I don't think I mentioned it, but it was it was so cool being able to sit with you and Nailani at the Commerce Center before the installation started, uh, seeing because we we looked around the whole area mm-hmm. and and then seeing it after ha- having known what yeah. it started as um when Lisa and I came to to see it that day I was you know I was I, I could uh, overlay what it looked like before and what it looked like after uh and just the, the transformation, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's cliche, but it's like the caterpillar, caterpillar to butterfly thing. Yeah. It, was, it was, was, was really neat. And, uh, I, I felt very fortunate to be able to see it before it was, it was cool. Yeah. It's, I, I, the selfie you took with us there. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to see that compared to what that wall looks like right. now. Yeah. Um, and Jack, the artist that did that, mm. um, he and his family actually moved to, where are they in uh, West Virginia? Okay, and um, Jess, his wife, took a job with she's some sort of curator for an art mm-hmm. um, museum out there. Um, but Jack recently made a Facebook page for some of the work he's doing out there. Uh-huh. It's really cool stuff. He's he's doing more like collaboration with community organizations and the city yeah. on uh, public art. Great. Um, so yeah, it's exciting to see. Because we worked with him for like two, two and a half years, mm-hmm. almost straight. Right. Um, so really got to see his work evolve a little bit and grow. And then seeing where it's going at right. out there is really interesting. That's great. 
Well, this was this was a fantastic conversation. I'm I glad know you had me. I know I brought you in to talk about Purple Porch Co-op, and make sure you check out folks check check out their Facebook page. Just type in Purple Porch Co-op, and uh, Miles's video is right there. I, I thought it was I just thought it was a cool video. That's what instigated the whole thing. So check out the video and go to one two three Hill Street. That's right, yeah. and uh, uh, check out what they have. You know, buy local, folks. It's important. Uh, thanks for coming on, Miles. This yeah, thanks fun. for having me. And I, yeah. I figured it would go. This conversation would go a few different ways. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm glad it did. Too. <laughs> yeah, well, porch is interesting, but there's plenty of other interesting yeah. things too. Well, the, the the stuff you do is always always exciting. I, I follow I follow what you post on Facebook and all that all the time just to see what's you've got the pulse. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I know, what, yeah, I know what's going on, on by what you're doing and I'm going to get to a house show one of these days. Cool. Thanks, Miles. Yeah. Thank you. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.